Today we've got a story of two Simons. And the first Simon is a man by the name of Simon the Sorcerer. The second Simon is a man by the name of Simon Peter. And these two men, two Simons, meet. And they, they share more than just simply a name in common. As a matter of fact, these both men are believers in Jesus and both are baptized. And the way that they meet, you know, is, is something pretty, pretty special. It goes back to this, that um, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, if we were to roll back the clock here a little bit, um, on the shores of, of the Sea of Galilee in this town of Capernaum, uh, a baby is born into a family there, a family of a fisherman. And uh, they name him God has heard. God has heard, which is what Simon means, is God has heard. It's kind of the, the kind of name that, uh, especially in those days where names really meant something. You know, these days a lot of times people name their kids names because they just like the sound of the name. But in those days they would mean something. So it would be the kind of name that maybe a parent, parents, a good Jewish parents might name their kid uh, after they've had a difficult time uh, giving birth to a child. And so they prayed to God, and they, they prayed long and hard, and now God has heard. So they named the child God has heard. And, you know, I've often, oftentimes wondered in this family, which would, uh, uh, that child is uh, one who grew up to be named Simon Peter, um, and that family, what Simon Peter's father would have thought when this son of his, whom he was raising to be a fisherman, uh, is called away from his nets, from the fishing boat where he's fishing with his father, and called to be a fisher of men by this preacher, Jesus. You know, did, did he approve of that? Was he a believer in Jesus himself? Was he um, somebody that was objecting to it? Hey, where are you going, kid? Get back here. I need your help. You know, what happened there? I don't know. The Scripture's silent. But not too far away, southwest of that place, there's this land that's called Samaria. And there in Samaria, there's a town with a Samaritan family. And in that family, there's another child that is born, a son. And they also name him, God has heard, Simon. In that family, we don't know what the father did for a living. Uh, we know that they were Samaritans, and Samaritans professed to believe in God, believe in Yahweh. But they didn't practice the same way that the Jews did. As a matter of fact, they didn't want to become Jews. They didn't convert to Judaism. And the Jews looked down on them. They believed that they were people that really were kind of making a mockery of the faith, that they weren't following Yahweh. But in this family, this Simon, this God has heard, grew up to become a sorcerer. So they named him Simon the Sorcerer. God has heard. Sorcerer. They, they don't seem to go together, do they? But uh, we don't know what his father did for a living. We don't even know what he thought about his son's chosen profession. But in those days, you know, that kind of a profession of a magician... Um, was not all that uncommon. And uh, um, those two Simons really wound up meeting together, uh, beginning really uh, with this persecution that happened in the city of Jerusalem where the Christians were all gathered together. The Christians really were nowhere else until the persecution, until the persecution happened. And then what happened was that it was such an intense persecution that it scattered the believers so that people like Philip, who was one of the disciples, one of the apostles, went to Samaria where he went to this very town where Simon the sorcerer lived and practiced his profession. And there in that town, Philip shared the gospel, shared the good news about Jesus. And the people in that town came to faith in Jesus. And they came in such numbers 
that uh, word began to leak out of Samaria that the Gentiles have come to the Lord, and they, and they said, all of Samaria believes now, describing that there are so many that it seems like the entire country has turned to Jesus. And the apostles wanted to find out what was happening there. You know, there's a, a, a friend of mine in the LCMC who's a, another pastor in the LCMC who uh, I used to pastor with, a guy by the name of Tom Lovan, and a funny guy, a pastor uh, who uh, uh, grew up in Southeast Asia. Uh, his father worked for the U.S. Embassy in Southeast Asia during the Vietnam War, things like that. So he knows the language. He came from that area. Anyway, he goes back uh, frequently to uh, bring the gospel back to Southeast Asia, to Thailand and things like that. The, the di most difficult place to get into is Vietnam because it's communist. You're not supposed to talk about Jesus there. But Tom was able to uh, convince the authorities to let him in. And I uh, met up with Tom at a restaurant here a year ago uh, in Iowa, and he was telling me about how he went back to Vietnam and went to this village where the, um, the, the um, chief of the village allowed him to speak with the villagers about Jesus. And Tom spoke with them in the Vietnam, Vietnamese language, in their own language, and uh, told them, you know, I'm, I'm here to tell you about a man and began to tell him about Jesus. And these people all converted in mass to Jesus. You know, hundreds of people in that village in this communist country converted to Jesus. And it's like, wow, the communists in, in Vietnam are converting to Jesus. This is incredible. This must have been the kind of new. I mean, I was like, wow, this is great, Tom. This must have been the kind of uh, thing that, that the believers in Jerusalem were saying too. Wow, the, the, the people in Samaria are converting to Jesus? This is amazing that this is happening. So they said, you know what, we've got to go check this thing out for ourselves. So they sent Simon Peter and John to Samaria, to the very village where Simon the sorcerer lived and all these people that converted to the Lord to find out what in the world was going on there. And what they found out was that the story was true. All these people did convert to Jesus. They had mass baptisms going on. And they were overjoyed. They said, wow, this is incredible. But then as they began to talk to people, as they began to investigate, as they began to look uh, at, at, at what was taking place there, they realized, you know what, there's a problem here. There's something going on. And there's something missing. And what was missing was this, that the people knew about Jesus they, 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 and they believed these stories about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. They didn't even know that there was such a thing as a Holy Spirit. They didn't know that, that they might actually be able to have God in their life and be led by God and guided by Him, uh, comforted by Him. They didn't have any idea that this, this was even a possibility that, that he could be there. The best that they could possibly do was to maybe follow the teachings of Jesus and think good thoughts about him, but they couldn't possibly know him because, because, because uh, they didn't even know that that was even, even a possibility. Romans 8 verse 14 says this, and we uh, read this last week. I think it applies again today where it says this, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And like us, you know, we want to be children of God. They wanted to be children of God, but how could they possibly be children of God according to this if they don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit? They can't possibly be led by the Holy Spirit if they don't even know that it exists. You know, at best they might just uh, be inclined toward the idea of Jesus. One of the most tragic things that I see uh, in life has to be 
seeing people who maybe poked their toe into the faith. And they thought that by poking their toe into the faith, that they, then they knew all that there was to know about the Lord, all that there was to know about God. And they discovered by poking their toe into the faith that there really was no power there. So they go off and, and um, maybe leave the church and, and go off to try to find the power that should be found in God. Instead, they look for it in other places and give up really on God and the church or maybe go out and just try to fill in the blanks for themselves. In contrast, I've seen people here in this congregation and talk to people in this congregation who will tell their stories of faith and, and they're, you know, talk to people in difficult circumstances and hear uh, how God is, is ministering to them and, and powerfully present with them in that circumstance. And during Lent, you know, we hear all these great stories of the faith uh, during you know, the time of testimony on Wednesday nights. And it's absolutely incredible to hear this and to really see how God is moving in the life of people. But the vast majority of people, I'm afraid, don't have that kind of experience. Instead, it's very common, I think, for people to poke their toe into the faith, draw it out, and say, you know what, there's nothing there. And, and then they go off looking for something else. Sometimes, you know, I'll be out in, in the community, I'll you know, run into somebody that uh, was confirmed here in a restaurant or, or uh, somebody who used to go to, the, go, go to church and they, they dropped out maybe in a store um, out uh, at the golf course. And, and uh, I, you know, I get to talking with them and, and just really, I, I'm thinking, man, what happened? What, what happened that, that all these other people would experience the, the power of God's presence? And yet others would totally miss it and not even realize that the power is even a possibility. Not even realize that there might actually be more there. What happened that that, that would happen? You know, other people I'll talk to and it's like they have this been there, done that kind of an attitude when it comes to the faith. And I realize that, that the most difficult person to reach with the gospel has to be somebody who's just poked their toe into the water and never experienced the power of the faith because they, they don't think that there's anything more there. Well, the Pharisees were like that. The Pharisees thought that they knew all there was to know about God. Anything that was left, they could just simply fill in the blanks themselves. They figured that they knew all that there was to know about Jesus, and they knew that, in their own minds anyway, that he wasn't the one. He was a fraud. He was an imposter. He was somebody along the lines of Simon the sorcerer. Because in those days, that was a common kind of a thing to, to have that kind of a profession. And if they would see that he would have, uh, be able to perform these miracles, well, maybe it's just a trick. Or maybe he's got the power of, of Satan on his side or something like that. But instead, you know, Simon could see that there was something different there. Now, there was another Pharisee, though, a man by the name of Nicodemus, who you've heard of who stepped one night into the firelight of Jesus because he thought that maybe there might be something more. Maybe there is a power here that is beyond anything we have seen or known. He stepped into the firelight of Jesus and began to ask him some questions to find out if maybe there might be something more here and, and dive a little bit deeper into that water. And Jesus responded by telling him this, telling him about this thing that is called born again. And uh, Jesus described being born again as involving the Spirit coming into a person's life. Now, this is a tough thing for Nicodemus to grasp because the Spirit is, is, is invisible. You can't see the Spirit. So Jesus explained it to him this way. He said, you know, the Spirit is like the wind. You can't see the wind, right? And Nicodemus says, yeah, you can't see the wind. 
well, it's, it's like the wind where, where you can't see it, but you can see the wind, or the effect of the wind, rather, on the trees, on the branches and the trees. And the same with the Spirit. With the Spirit, you can see the effect of the Spirit on the life of a, of a person. You can't see the Spirit, but you can see the effect that it has on a person. You can see a life that is transformed. You can see a life that has changed. And, and with that, you can see what happens with the Spirit. So, in Acts chapter 8, then Peter and John placed their hands on the people, on the Samaritans, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon the sorcerer saw the effects of the Spirit. It's like the wind blowing through the trees. He saw the effects of the Spirit on his neighbors. He saw that they were changed, they were transformed. We don't know exactly what it was that he saw there, you know, but we do know that he saw something that was so powerful that he wanted it. Now, he didn't want the power in his life. What he wanted was to have power over. He wanted to be able to have an effect on other people like he saw Peter seemed to have with the Holy Spirit. So he said, I'll give you money, whatever it takes, give me that power. What he was after was the power, that power as the world sees it, you know, which is power over. Now, earlier this week, um, now, you know, the bulletin that you have in your hands is um, something that is a product of a lot of hard work in the front office. Karen Peoples puts that thing together, and she puts the, the, uh, the picture on the cover there. But uh, Karen has a good sense of humor, and uh, periodically she'll come up with a joke bulletin, just for fun bulletin, and kind of slip it in there and see if I notice. And, well, this week she came up with this cover right here. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. You know, my kids love those guys. Uh, you know, but, okay. For, thankfully, we did not go with this as the cover. All right. Thankfully, you have the cover that you have in your hands. But what it represents, I think, is, is something that's funny, yes, but wrong. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's power as the world sees it, which is, which is with uh, us as the superhero. We're the superhero. And we're the ones who are supposed to have the power. And therefore, whatever comes along in life, we're the ones who are supposed to have power over it. And, and here's the problem with that, is that uh, it doesn't work that way. You know, it can become very frustrating to try to go through life. It can become depressing uh, to go through life this way, to believe that I am supposed to have, uh, be, have these superhero powers to be able to control my circumstances, control my environment, control my world, and then look around at my world and say, man, I'm not controlling much of anything. I don't have much power at all. But here's the thing is that you and I are not the superhero. God is the superhero. And when we can get to the point where we recognize that God is the superhero and not me, that's when our heart can become open to him and we can receive his presence in our life. And in in the Gospel of Mark, it says it this way, and this is not going to be projected up there, where... uh, he says this in Mark uh, that we read earlier, Mark 8:34. And Jesus summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Now that's power. And Jesus described it this way. He said, 
you know, and th this means that there's nothing new under the sun. It was back in Jesus' day, too. He said, you know, the world wants to exercise power over you, but not so for you. Instead, you are to be a servant of the rest. This is the kind of power that's found in humility. This is the kind of power that is found when we submit to God, when we come under his authority, when we give up our life so that we might gain it. And gaining life in that, there is power. I mean, who can gain life? That's power to be able to do that. Simon didn't get that. He was still thinking power over. But there is others there who did get that. And a spirit moved in their hearts and in their lives, and they were transformed. In the early church, I'm always amazed when I look at, at the early church and realize that these people, these believers who were first-century Christians, who converted to Jesus and discovered what it, the power of, of submitting to him, would face persecution, they would face imprisonment, they would face death. And yet in spite of all of that, the gospel spread. And it begins with lives and individual life being transformed by him, by his spirit coming into that life and transforming it. And then it spread to another, to another, to another, until the entire empire was converted, transformed as they followed Jesus. Well, they weren't all converted, but the empire was transformed because of these believers in Jesus Christ. And some of those Samaritans that day were open to the spirit, they experienced the power of God, the same power that brought life into this world by one spoken word. The same spirit, the spirit of love that nailed Jesus to that cross, the same spirit that brought a tax collector down out of a tree so that he might give back his ill-gotten gains, the same spirit that transformed the persecutor of that Jerusalem church, Saul, so that he became the one we know as Paul, who became the greatest evangelist of all time. The same spirit that transformed this Simon Peter, this Simon, and from one who denied Jesus three times and ran from the cross into the one through whose hands now these Samaritans are receiving the spirit and the presence of God. This is the spirit that is available for you and me. So the question today is, do you want the spirit of God, the wind of that spirit, to blow through your life? I do. I must have that spirit. I must have that. So today, if you want that spirit, more of that spirit, I invite you to please stand with me and pray. Let's pray.